This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real EFL's League to Look Back. I'm your host, Matt. Today, joining me, we have Tom and Brandon. Tom, Brandon, how are you both doing, guys? As good as a 2-2 draw away at Forest Green can make you feel, I'd say. Yeah, but also you had a very exciting win in the Cup in the week, which I'm sure we'll have a chat about later on. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling a lot better than I did at half-time on Saturday, which I know we're going to cover shortly. But yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good, thank you. Thanks for, for having me on my second week, so thank you. No, 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 it's great to have you guys both on. Well, look, we're going to move swiftly on to our game of the day. This was the early kickoff yesterday, uh, Notts County versus Bradford. So with both teams looking to end a run of consecutive defeats, the Magpies and the Bantrams went to battle at Meadow Lane yesterday. On the back of two straight losses, the hosts had dropped to fifth, while the visitors sat in 18th, losing in their first game under new manager Graham Alexander. The game finished Notts County for Bradford two and Tom obviously uh, you were there yesterday were you what did you think of the game? Well, I um I was lucky enough not to be there. I watched it on the television um as we managed to embarrass ourselves in front of the nation yet again. Um, to be honest, it was embarrassing when we got completely battered in the first half, four nil down at half time. It really is as bad as I've seen us. It's Graham Alexander's second game now, and that's six goals we've conceded. Um, for the second game running, we conceded in the first five minutes. Um, yeah, it was was really, really poor from us. Um, I fear we're in a, a relegation battle. I think only a handful of our players, um, Halliday, Gilead and Walker, can come away with any sort of credit. Uh, Andy Cook had 11 shots yesterday, zero goals. Um, yeah, t- totally abysmal. And I know we're going to touch on it, but Graham Alexander's got... A really tough job um but you know t- take nothing away from Notts County that front three is absolutely incredible for for League Two um Langstaff McGoldrick and Crowley it's phenomenal and they really punished us yesterday um yeah it was 
they're flying, I think, overall and the momentum they've had the past the past two seasons. It was unplayable at times and, you know, it was easy goals, but Notts County looked really fantastic yesterday and I feel we must give them credit. It was 4-0 at half-time and we did score two in the second half, but to be honest, I feel like it's quite easy to score two, you know, when the pressure's off, the damage was done in the first half and I'm not really giving them any any sort of credit at all for, for yesterday, but yeah, fair play to Notts County. No, I've got to say, I did think the uh, yeah, first half, uh, Brad, Bradford, unfortunately, were were played off the park by Notts County, a Notts County team that were were incredible. Um, and look, full full credit to Bradford. You know, in the second half, uh, they did come out. They did fight. I mean, I, th- I think it was something like 25, 26 shots or something. I, I know they had. Um, you know, so so at least they tried to give it a go. You know, they they didn't just roll over and die. So I've got to say all well, credit to, to 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 Bradford on that one. But Brandon, I've got to ask. Uh, obviously, in in terms of Notts County, they look absolutely unstoppable. But Danny Cowley yesterday, look, he had an absolutely incredible game. Um, Notts one. Do you feel you know he's a key element in this Notts squad? Well, one big thing about Notts County summer was the loss of Ruben Rodriguez because he's been such an integral figure to them over the years of them getting out of the National League. To lose him on a free was such a big loss, but I think this is such a like-for-like replacement. You can see all of the goals he's heavily involved in. He was dropping first one, he drops deep. He, he was so unmarked for all of them as well. Like, the spaces he was able to find between the Bradford midfield and defence and occupy were it, it was unheard of really like the spaces he could pick up across all areas of the pitch to make himself a threat it was unreal I think he's seriously in the conversation for one of the best players in league two and to have that like for like replacement for Ruben Rodriguez who's been such a big figure for Notts County over the years it's just simply credit to Notts County's recruitment Perfect. Well, um, look, obviously, Tom, I've got to ask you, can you see any improvements so far under Graham Alexander? Look, or look, are Bradford currently just crying out for the January transfer window? Honestly, um, I think maybe I'm still angry about yesterday, but no, I don't see any improvements since Graham Alexander's come in. Um, we switched to four four two. It's so rigid, and I think Brandon touched upon it there. There was so much space between the midfield and the defence that Notts County exploited yesterday, and you know, there is a reason why no one plays 4-4-2 anymore um, for that exact reason. Um, yeah, I mean, we've shipped six goals um, in two games, another early goal as well. I'm really worried that we're heading towards the basement, really. I mean, there should be two worse teams than us, but, you know, there's been better teams than us go down. Um, as you say, in January, we do have the option to recall Jake Young, who's currently flying for Swindon. But to be honest, why would Jake Young you know, want to, to come back? Obviously, he's con- contractually obligated to come back, but we did this before with Owen Doyle. And um, just to say as well, we've got the fourth biggest budget in the league. We spent heavily this summer. The squad was apparently meant to be leaner and meaner, according to our CEO. And, you know, we've probably got the biggest squad in the league. Um, there was a tweet going around from the team sheets yesterday and our squad was nearly double the size of Notts County's. Um, so we need to get out before we get in. I'm really... Really, I'm concerned about the January transfer window. Do I trust the club to get it right? No. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Graham Alexander's got a really tough job. Um, there was no loanees in the squad yesterday. So, he's you know he's obviously having a look at what he can work with people who were under contract. So, it's going to be an interesting time. But, yeah, the January window is going to be key. But we also need to get it right. 
in the January window, which I'm worried about. Yeah, do you know what? I, I saw a, a stat myself, um, um, I, I, and again, I d don't know if this is factually correct, but it was saying that Bradford have got sort of an estimated wage bill, something like 3.5 million, um, at not around sort of 2.5 million, which is obviously sounds like quite, quite a lot of money at the end of the day. But look, after that 4-2 uh, win by Notts yesterday, uh, that leaves them in third. Bradford currently are in 19th. Moving on to our next game. This is Forest Green versus Grimsby. And fresh from their midweek tryouts against non-league teams in the FA Cup, Forest Green and Grimsby went head-to-head -head at the new lawn. While the Green Devils smashed five past Scarborough Athletic, the Mariners outdid their host and put seven past Slough Town. So I reckon this, before the game started, I assumed that this was going to be nil-nil. But it didn't. It finished 2-2. And Brandon, you're on this one. Well, I beg to differ about the nil-nil with 62 goals conceded between each side. It's going to be goals in it. However, I thought Grimsby started quite well. First 15 minutes really put a lot of pressure on the Forest Green defence, but Cal McAllister for Forest Green pulling the strings both ends of the pitch, hit the bar early on, and then when Niall Marr was judged to have brought down Jamie Robson in the 37th minute, Cal McAllister was there to convert. And Shortly after, just on the edge of half-time, Carl McAllister sort of just... It's like a lovely little chip finish over the Grimsby defence after dropping Toby Malarkey's shoulder. And Grimsby looked completely out of it until a lot of pressure coming on from Sean Pearson's side after the half-time whistle until Gavin Hollihan gets one back with a strike from a corner, which could have gone in off Donovan Wilson. I'm not quite sure who scored that. I've seen three different names thrown about for the goal scorer. And then Donovan Wilson was presented the ball by Reese Welsh after struggling to deal with a small ball over the top and confidently finishes, securing a point for the Mariners. Yeah, do you know what? I thought it was a, a cracking game, actually. I, I say I watched the extended highlights and yeah, I actually thought it, it didn't look like, to me, it didn't necessarily look like two teams that were down near the bottom. Um, but Tom, I'm going to come on to you for this question. So um, look, David Horseman believes that uh, his Forest Green side are, he's said, not too far away in this league and could eventually join the chasing pack for the playoffs. Is he wrong? I mean, well... Looking at the league table now and the position they're in and the results that they've had so far, I would say, you know, he is he is wrong. They're 15 points off seventh. You know, they did show signs of improvements. Um, I think they hit the bar late on in the game. But, yeah, they're 15 points off seventh. Um, and the top seven and especially the top three or four are starting to open up a bit of a gap. So, yeah, it's a big ask. Maybe it's just trying to install some confidence because, you know, they, they are struggling. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough all them. I just can't see it, but you know, I've been wrong before, but no, I just can't see it. No, 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 fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't see it myself, and I'm not saying this, you know, to, to diss any Forest Green fans at all. Honestly, I just don't think that this year would be your year, even if there was an outside chance. Uh, but Brandon, look, I've got to ask you, uh, look, joint caretaker managers, uh, Sean Pearson and Ben Davis, look, they're yet to suffer a defeat in charge of Grimsby, so. But really, who could do a better job if if not already them? Well, I think you look at the four games of uh, the they've taken over for Slough, 
replay and draw Morecambe and Forest Green unbeaten. And I think results-wise, probably a fair turnout. We're into the second round of the FA Cup and four points from a playoff chasing Morecambe and we've not lost to a relegation rival. But I also look at the performances. We've conceded seven to at seven in those four, two of which being to Slough Town at or due respect, a National League South opposition and a Forest Green Rovers side that I think are around the lowest scoring teams in the division. So I, I just think with what we need to bring in, I'm, I have a lot of faith in the ownership. I'm sure they're not the. I'm sure they're not seeing them as the answer or trying to find a reason for them to be the answer, as they've they've done what they can. But I think someone needs to come in and just organise this defence because there's so many individual errors, a lack of leadership. And one thing I think that you can notice, when we concede, we look like we're going to concede again, as we did today. We conceded quite close to each other, and we did with Slough in midweek when they equalised 2-2. So we don't respond well to conceding as much as there is also individual mistakes. I think we look quite potent in front of goal with the strikers. Aboisa, Danny Rose and Donovan Wilson have had some decent goal returns. They've nearly matched our top scorer from a side that finished 11th last season. But yeah, personally, I'm not sure we're in a position to take a gamble on some of the names that have been thrown around with Steve Morrison and Nathan Rooney, who are quite inexperienced. I'm not sure we're in a position to take that gamble. It's possibly ambitious, but of the names I've seen, I think Danny Cowley would be the safest if we could sway him that way. It's um, it's interesting you say Danny Cowley because he was linked with, uh, he was actually our first choice for the Bradford job, but um, he was interviewed for it. We offered him it. He accepted and then went back on his word because he didn't want to relocate from his family. So I think he was a big key target for us. So it'd be interesting to see um, who you get. But I mean, for us, our manager search went on for the best part of five weeks and we lost basically a month of the season and we ended up with someone who originally wasn't our first choice. So it just shows, you know, the, the managers that are available out there are not necessarily the ones that, that you need. I've got to say on this point as well, I mean, there's not just managers in the UK, look, there's some brilliant managers abroad that are doing doing some excellent work. Um, you know, th- there's always the opportunity to potentially give somebody new. I mean, obviously, look, I- I'm a Jules fan. We've given Stephen Clements his first opportunity as a head coach. Um, and and I think that's, a, you know, a great appointment. And so there is a lot of potential out there. And look, I, I think uh, at the moment, the, the, the duo in charge of Grimsby are doing an excellent job. But look, I think they do, like you said, that they need a bit more experience, I think, potentially to come in. But after that game, uh, it's ended. Forest Green uh, are in 23rd. Grimsby are in 21st. So we're going to move on to our next game. This was Mansfield Town versus Newport. So Mansfield Town played host to Newport County on Saturday afternoon, with the Stags looking to extend their unbeaten streak in League 2 to 17 matches. Whilst the Ironsides, who were down in 20th spot and just six points above the relegation zone, don't have any uh, so don't have any injury crisis according to Graham Coolahan. So the game finished Mansfield Town 2 Newport nil. Tom, I believe you were on this one. Yeah, I was on this one and you know there's not really much more you can say about Mansfield. I'll just pull off a few 
a few stats that basically sums up the day. So Mansfield are now 17 games unbeaten since the start of the season. They've conceded the lowest in the league, which is 13. Uh, Kayla Dunga is 10th of the season and they're back into the automatic places. So a fantastic day for for Nigel Clough. Um, you know, they were relentless, to be honest. Uh, Townsend in the Newport goal took a, <laughs> took a hammering. I mean, it could have been, you know, three or four, five without, without him in there. So it's a very, you know, a comfortable day actually for Mansfield. I listened to uh, Callahan's interview afterwards, and he was just saying that Newport were like passive, wasteful on the ball. Um, yes, they have a few injuries, but you know I don't really think that impacted them too much today. I think their attitude was, you know, they kind of rolled over a little bit for for Mansfield. But you know, take nothing away from them. There, it's a fantastic result and form they're in at the moment. No, it was. I mean, uh, Mansfield, uh, I say that, that that takes him on beaten run now to 17 matches in the league. And I, I just can't see how how anyone's going to beat them at the moment. They they look absolutely unstoppable. Uh, but look, uh, Bran, I'm going to move on to the question here for you. So look, considering how close they have come before, will Nigel Clough finally be able to deliver promotion for Mansfield this season? I think I'm really confident in Mansfield this season i thought yesterday just looked quite routine and you know the face of injury troubles this season they've gone through what newport currently are going through but the fact that they've remained unbeaten and i'm not surprised that they are unbeaten after seeing them play there's a clear cohesion in the squad that is such a defensive solidarity they'll concede one at most usually they're always in the game and the fact that they've the whole squad has remained unbeaten through a lot of injury problems just tells me that they've all bought into Nigel Clough's way of playing and they fully believe that this is a way to win. Like they're very brought into the system. It's similar to Stockport. They just look quite routine with one play style and that's how they win. They look so suited to League Two. So yeah, I'm fully confident that they can get the automatic promotion spot this season and also don't count them out for the title game in hand they win that and they're only three points off of Stockport who they have beaten earlier in the season yeah do you know what I totally agree with you there you know Mansfield are absolutely uh, unstoppable at the moment and uh, you know if they weren't to go ahead and get promoted this season you know it it would be their own downfall but they, they just look absolutely unstoppable though um Going to move on to a question for you, Tom. And, uh, uh, you know, it might have said it a bit cheekily at the start, but what is all going on with all the injuries at Newport? And could that potentially be their downfall? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think similar to to us at Bradford, I mean, you're hoping that there's going to be two worse teams than them at the season. I I don't see them going down. Uh, Bogle and Evans have, have got goals in them, but, you know, they've got Stockport next. And that's going to be a tough game with or, with or without injuries. Um. Yeah, it's it's tough at Newport. They had a great season um, last season and before, but yeah, it's going to be going to be tough for them. Yeah, do you know what I, I've got to say? I, again, I agree with you. I think it's going to be be, be a tough ask, but I, I, I don't think they're going to go down. I think they potentially are going to be two worst teams out there in the league. But after that game, Mansfield winning 2-0, that leaves Mansfield in second place and Newport are currently in 20th. 
So moving on swiftly to our next game. This was Stockport versus Colchester. League Two leader Stockport County hosted Colchester United yesterday at Edgeley Park. Uh, the Hatters, who had won their last 12 games in the league, came up against the Ewes, who had, and after I called it last week, had confirmed Matthew Etherington as their new head coach. Brandon, I believe you watched this one for us. So Stockport going into yesterday, looking to equal the record of 12 straight League Two wins. Could Colchester ruin the party? No, but it was an excellent game of football. Don't look past the, the fact that the scoreline looks quite routine for first versus 17. This was a brilliant game. There was an early scare as Samson Tavide hit the bar after some great play from the fullbacks. Early scare for Stockport until Kyle Wooten puts Stockport ahead just on the brink of half-time, getting on the end of a ball from Southern Hales just in the six-yard box and then coming out for the second half. Callum Camps comes into the box from a corner, just unmarked late arrival and volleys at home, 2-0 Stockport. Um, but don't look past Colchester. I think it wasn't that bad of a performance for them. They forced some great, a great save near the end from Hinchcliffe. Horsefall doing some last-ditch tackles. I thought Samson Tavide on another day could have scored two or three. And Stockport now sit six points ahead of the title. And I just thought it looked quite routine for them, personally. Yeah, I, I kind of get what you mean by saying it looked routine. I mean, Colchester, I, said, I, I, I can think they can honestly say they, they played well yesterday. But, you know... The, they never looked like necessarily beating them. I think the best they could have potentially hoped for yesterday was a draw, but they played okay. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't really their day. But Tom, look, I'm going to come over to this question then. I'm going to chuck this one over uh, towards you. But look, Stockport have been unstoppable. We all know that. So where could they actually strengthen in January to bulldoze the rest of the campaign? Well, I mean, I think we, we spoke about this um, last week, similar with, with Wrexham and... For me, they've just got to keep winning. Um, and I think the biggest strength they can have is just keeping hold of some key players, such as Kyle Wotton and Callum Camps, who were both brilliant yesterday. And, you know, keeping hold of Dave Shalliner, I know a lot of teams have been looking for managers recently higher up the pyramid as well. Um, but I think I read something that in 12 seasons as a manager, he's only finished outside the playoffs once, which is, you know, <laughs> exceptional, really consistent. And I think that, you know, if, if Stockport don't go up this season, which... I think they will, um, you know, Challenger may be looking for a, a new challenge elsewhere. But yeah, I think it's just keeping hold of key players, keep doing what they're doing. And, you know, as Brandon said, like making the, keep winning the routine games, you know, first against 17th. Um, but yeah, I think it's just keeping hold of key players and Dave Challenger. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's very important to keep hold of uh, Dave there as well that he's a, he's a top coach uh, but look Brandon uh, you can't deny that Colchester have been fighting against relegation for the most part in the last few years uh, look so do you really think Matthew Etherington's appointment could ensure that, that that doesn't happen this season well as a lot of us will know a side can't really languish at the bottom of any division particularly this one and expect to stay up every year I know myself with Grimsby and to be honest, the appointment of Effrington, I'm still, I think the jury's still out. He's very much inexperienced. I think it's very much a gamble. He has little to no experience with a full time first team coaching role. So 
I'm not not to say it's necessarily a bad appointment. I'm. It's just not one that I see that strikes me with confidence that Colchester won't be in a re- at least a relegation battle this season. So the jury's still out for this appointment for me. It's re- well, sorry. I was just going to say it's it's really interesting um, when we speak about managerial appointments. I think Matt made the point earlier about you know there's some great young managers out there. You know, Jills have given Stephen Clemens first job and. It's very difficult balancing out for clubs to, you know, hire someone who is, you know, experienced in League Two, such as Graham Alexander, against giving someone a chance. And it's just, it's really hard for managers, isn't it, to break into, you know, to get these jobs when they're inexperienced. Um, but then you look at people like Michael Duff, who came straight in and got a team promoted, Rob Edwards as well. It's it's just interesting how, yeah. Do, do you know what? I've, I've got to say, my argument always is that Alex Ferguson had to start somewhere. You've got to give these guys a chance. I'm, I'm glad Jules are giving Stephen Clements a chance. He's got a really good history behind him. But look, there are some top, top coaches out there in, in the world. And, you know, you've, it's all about finding the right fit for your club, who, whoever it is. And look, I actually do think Matthew Othington is going to be a good fit for Colchester. I think uh, his, the way his style of football is, I think it could actually work really well at Colchester. Um, I think he needs the January transfer window to come around to help him, you know, get a bit more play, a bit, bit more, uh, sorry, some more players that are going to play to his style in the club. But yeah, I, I, as, you know, as I said before, that there are a lot of talent out there. Um, but uh, no, after that game, uh, uh, it finished. Uh, obviously, uh, so it was two uh, 0 wasn't it, to, to Stockport? Uh, Stockport are currently in first. Colchester United are in seventeenth. On to our next game. This was Gillingham versus Salford. Now, Gillingham and Salford met at Priestfield on Saturday afternoon, both looking for a win that could potentially move them closer to the League Two playoff places. Before the kickoff, the Jules occupied 10th, while the Amis were four points behind in 15th. I took this game, and yes, I was there. And Oh my God, Gillingham scored more than one goal in a game. In fact, we scored more than two. We actually scored three. This is something that we haven't done since the COVID season at home against Ipswich Town many, many moons ago. Um, Look, from obviously, you know, if if I'm going to have my Gillingham hat on here, we absolutely deserve that. Uh, We were the best team ever. Uh, (laughs) Of course, I'm going to say that I'm a Jules fan. But uh, look, from a neutral point of view, Steve Clements, I've got to say, you could really start to, start to see what his input, um, uh, the input that he's, he's putting into this team. He's had a full week on the training pitch with them. And look, Salford, uh, I thought they defended really narrow. Um, they, they were really strong at the back. They actually came out on us, us in the first sort of 15 minutes or so and and, and put us under the, on the back foot for that first 15-minute period. But once Conor Mahoney scored, um, it did kind of look like the, the rhythm was starting to, to gel there for the Jules. Uh, Matt Smith, Jennings and Emesis, uh, scored a cracking header in the 37th minute. Um, I've got to say, uh, you know, it was, it was a bullet header. And again, it's a typical Matt Smith goal. You're going to give him those opportunities. He's going to put them away from you. And then Tom Nichols and Dalton Jeffries both scored headers in front of the Rainermen in the 54th and 62nd minute Uh Look, it was a great game. Uh, guys, did you watch any of the highlights at all? Did you Have you seen any, any of the goals? Yeah, I thought some of the crossing play from Gillingham was so impressive. It, even, not just on the goals, some of the chances. I think I believe there was a chance just at the end that was just headed off the line. I thought Williams and um, Jeffries as the fullback. Some of the crossing play from Gillingham, I thought, was so impressive. 
I've got to say a massive kudos to uh, actually to Stephen Clements because I did notice uh, it was about two or three minutes before um, uh, Williams put the cross in for the Tom Nichols header. He had called uh, Williams over to the bench. Basically, I think he basically must have said to him, "Hug this touchline," because from that point on, he literally just hugged the touchline, and he had found so much space because Salford was defending quite narrowly. Uh, they was getting so much space and we're spreading that uh, the, the back line across, which gave Tom the, the opportunity to get in and get his head on the ball to score that goal. And uh, a, 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 so a friend of mine on another podcast, I do normally would put a bet on Tom Nichols to score a header, but he hasn't done it this season. And he's uh, unfortunately lost out on a bit of money there. But look, we're going to move on to some questions. So uh, look, my, my first question, uh, Tom, this is one that's going to go to you. Stephen Clements has worked with the same top player, uh, with some top players, sorry, uh, throughout his career, many who have sung his praises. So could Gillingham now be a, like a much more attractive club to potential players in January? Yeah, I think so, um, especially with the takeover recently with the um, the US investor. So, you know, they've definitely got the resources. They've got a young manager who, as you say, is already implementing his his style of play. And um, yeah, I, I also noticed the the wide crosses coming in yesterday. So it's interesting already that Clements has had has had an impact, and you know, winning breeds confidence, and you know, it does soon become a habit as as does losing. But yeah, I definitely think so. And for me, I'd think. It's probably a case of when and not if um, Gillingham will, will start return to League One. I think maybe this season is probably a season too early. But yeah, I de- definitely think think there that they've got all the resources to to go through League One and potentially in a way that, that Stevenage have done to go to the top end of League One as well um, can go on a similar sort of run to them. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, Brandon... Um... Newwood's team uh, need an upturn in results if they want to make a charge for the playoffs. So, look, with MK Dons, uh, leaders Stockport County and Bradford in their next three matches, how many points could you realistically see them getting? Well, I think it's fair to say that Salford have flattered to, to deceive this season. I don't think they look anywhere near similar to the side we saw last year. I thought they were a brilliant footballing team last season. But, yeah, I... I think that MK Dons game particularly is huge because that's two sides sort of around the 13th to 15th place mark that are looking to break into that playoff race. So I think that's such an important game. I think a return between four and six points would be quite adequate, I'd say, especially when you've got such a force in Stockport coming up. So I think that MK Dons fixture is huge and I think they should be aiming for four to six points if they're to at least keep on the edges of that playoff race. But you've got a goal scorer in Matt Smith there as well, so you can always upset those top sides with a goal scorer in this division. Yeah, look, Matt, Matt Smith's absolutely on fire. Obviously, I got to see him uh, firsthand yesterday, exactly how good he is. But after that game, that impressive 3-1 win for Gillingham yesterday, Gillingham currently sit in eighth and Salford are currently in 15. Guys, it is that time of the show to go and get yourself a coffee. We're going to have a little break. We'll be back in a minute. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now... Back to the podcast. Welcome back, guys. So we're going to move swiftly on to our next game. This was Accrington Stanley versus Wrexham. Wrexham travelled to the Wham Stadium to take on Accrington Stanley uh, on Saturday in the thrilling League 2 battle. The old two Reds entered the contest on the back of an FA Cup first round replay loss to Doncaster, while the Red Dragons most recently overcame my team, Gillingham, 2-0. So, Tom, I believe you had this one. It finished Atkinson Stanley 2, Wrexham nil. Yes. I mean, I feel um, I feel like it's been fantastic to follow Atkinson Stanley's social media the last few weeks. First of all, you had Andy Hall uh, threatening to sell the club last week, which we all touched upon. And then this week, again, he's defending his his football club and Wrexham's odd choice to, uh, to put a tweet out um, an hour or so before the game criticising Atkinson Stanley for... Charging £25 for tickets. So that, that was just a bit of pre-game entertainment. And to be honest, you don't really want to fire up a crowd. I think John Coleman and Andy Holt both said that about Accrington. And, you know, Accrington certainly um, benefited really from the atmosphere that was there. So Tommy Lee and Loglenjo scored the goals. And Wrexham, eight games unbeaten uh, before before this. But, you know, Accrington in front of a sold-out stadium, one and you have to say, it was a bit of a rare off day for, for Paul Mullen. Uh, he went through clear early on, hit the crossbar. Um, Accrington got a got a fortunate penalty. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have had a chance to see it. I'm not entirely sure what it was for. There was a couple of bodies falling in the box. Um, but yeah, Tommy Lee put the, the penalty in. And then Okongwo, um, the goalkeeper from Wrexham, fumbled a shot. We spoke about him last week being relatively untested. Um, but I think he'll be disappointed with that. And it was 2-0 to Accrington. And, you know, to sum up Paul Mullins' day, um, another penalty was given in the 98th minute and he hit the bar again with that. Um, yeah, it was it was an off day for Wrexham, but Accrington, you know, quite, I'm going to say quietly going about the business in terms on the pitch, but certainly not off the pitch. But, you know, they seem to be hanging around the playoffs, be that there or thereabouts. It was a great win yesterday for them. Um, but John Coleman's obviously got the experience to get out of this league. He trusts his players now, and you know it, it was a great win. And but for me, you just don't don't fire up a crowd like Wrexham chose to do um, before the game. Yeah, absolutely. And um, look, talking about that, we're going to talk about obviously uh, Andy Holt and and uh, Brandon. I've actually got a question for you on this. So look, obviously. Uh, we all know about the comments he made a couple of weeks ago about wanting to sell it, and obviously the uh, the, the the tweets coming out before the game. But do you think actually his co- the comments that he makes? Do you think that could actually affect the team and like it, even John Coleman uh, sort of mentally? Really, do you think it could actually start affecting them if he keeps doing this? 
Well, I think Accrington under John Coleman have sort of always fed off of that underdog kind of narrative. They performed so well in League One. Last season was one too many for them. Did so well to win League Two while Luton Town and Coventry were in there. I actually think they're the fifth, sixth most informed team in the division. Four wins and two losses in the last six. If anything, I think... John Coleman may have just used this as like a it's us against them, a sort of a rallying cry. The atmosphere played such a part yesterday and that you've just jeered up a crowd and a team that and a manager that clearly feed off of being the underdog. But I really am interested to see how to what extent this really goes to with the ownership and the tweets. Cause I don't think I've ever seen an owner be so outspoken on social media before. No, you're right. I mean, to be honest, I've I've actually got him. I follow him, and I've actually got like an alert when it comes up when he's tweeted something because I, I I actually love reading some of the stuff he says and some of the stuff he comes out with. Uh, but look, there's no doubt he is. Uh, I think he's a brilliant chairman. He he, he loves his football club, and he he'll do everything he can to protect it. Uh, but um, look, Tom, this is a bit of a cheeky question, but uh, you know, take it with a bit tongue in cheek. But look. Do you think the £5 extra actually affected the Wrexham players as well as some of the fans? Well, I mean, it, it certainly affected them in terms of the atmosphere they faced. Um, it, it was a bit stupid, to be honest, from the Wrexham Twitter account. They probably should should know better. And someone like Andy Holt, who's so passionate about his football club and his community, and it was, as Brandon said, you know, it was that siege mentality again. It was like Harwood against Hollywood. It was... Um, yeah, it was very stupid. And to be honest, it affected them because it made that made Accrington Stanley play maybe 10, 20 percent um better. So yeah, it was it was a bit stupid to be honest. And yeah, it definitely, definitely affected the game. Yeah, look, I've got to say one of the things I read, and again, I don't know if this is how factually true this is, but it was something like an on average, uh Accrington will no, normally only have five hundred fans come, but yesterday there's been like nearly 2,500 or something like that. It was it was so much more than general, which is why they decided to charge the extra because they had to cost uh, for that extra policing. But uh, after that 2-0 win for Accrington yesterday, uh, that leaves them currently in seventh and Wrexham are in fourth. On to our next game. This was Barrow versus Crawley Town and Barrow were aiming to record a fifth win in all competitions when they hosted Crawley Town at Holker Street. The Red Devils returned to winning ways by dispatching Accrington Stanley last weekend, whilst the Bluebird fans are flying high with their team sixth before kickoff. Brandon, I believe you had this one. So going into yesterday, Barrow were looking to sort of cement their place in the top seven. So Crawley had a lot of the ball in this game, but I thought Barrow sort of just fed off of it. You saw... If you've seen the highlights, a lot of their chances came from them pressing them high, taking advantage of taking the ball off the defenders on midfield and Crawley would find themselves exposed. There was one early on where Telford played in Emil Aquea, who fired quite over the but uh, quite highly over the bar, but it's just a further example of how Barrow were feeding off of how Crawley liked to play under Lindsay. And on the just coming out for the second half, Tom White breaks through the midfield lines and finds Robbie Gotts, whose low cross goes into Aquaia, who lays it off for Telford, who scores his fourth goal of the season in the 46th minute. There was a huge mischance for Telford, who fired over the bar when Spence's free kick went through the wall. 
Uh, but Crawley did have the chances. Adam Campbell forced a brilliant save from Farman, who just parried it out to the right a bit. But I think for overall, Barrow really thrived in the conditions of how Crawley liked to keep the ball and created so much from their press with quite low possession. The stats were very one way in terms of chance creation. And I've just thought it was another example of Pete Wilde's brilliance. Absolutely. Again, I thought Barrow were, were, were absolutely on form yesterday. They, they, they've definitely uh, definitely looked like a team that could be potentially up there come the end of the season. So on that note, um, so Tom, I'm going to throw this one at you. And it's about Pete Wilde. I love this guy. I think he's a legend. But has he put himself potentially in the shop window to be poached by maybe another bigger fish? Yeah, we spoke about Pete Wilde last week. Um, he's one of those that, again, another one I would have had at Bradford over Graham Alexander. Um, he did a great job at Halifax. Um, but yeah, he's he's demonstrating his ability to get, again, to get the absolute maximum out of his players and his team. He was great at Halifax, as I've just said. Um, he's got them playing some really solid stuff. Um, they never really look like losing games. Um which is very good. Um, but yeah, five in a row for Barrow. And he really does revel in being the, the underdog. And Barrow, another team now up in the playoffs. They spent a lot of last season early on in the playoffs as well. So yeah, he's a he's a great manager and I think he's really enjoying it up there. It seems it seems to, um, because it's a bit of a smaller club, he can probably have his hands on on everything there and he's probably lo- loving it. Brilliant. Well, look, Brandon, I'm going to throw this one over then to you. With Crawley's look still facing kind of talk, turmoil at board level, do you think that could potentially affect what happens uh, on the pitch and also what happens come January? Certainly, I think Scott Lindsay is. You can make a case for Scott Lindsay being one of the best managers in League Two. Absolutely, everyone had Crawley Town rock bottom, and they're sat in twelfth and not too far off the playoffs as well. I think. They might even fancy the chances. But coming into January, I think Scott Lindsay, Danilo Orsi, and a lot of them really will be in the shop window. They've shown before that they've the owners have sold to divisional rivals before, especially with Gillingham. So, yeah, I'm really interested in the atmosphere and Crawley come January if it could end up replicating the atmosphere last season when they were in a relegation battle and still engaging with selling to their divisional rivals. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a couple of players in that quality team. I, I could be honest, I wouldn't mind necessarily coming over to Jill. So you never know, that might happen in January again. But after that 1-0 win for the Bluebirds, that leaves Barrow in sixth place and Crawley are currently in 12th. Moving on to our next game. This was Harrogate Town versus Swindon. And Harrogate Town and Swindon squared off in League One. So in League Two on Saturday afternoon with both teams looking for wins that would move them closer to the playoff places. Before the game, the Sulphurites and the Robins were separated by just one point. And they couldn't be separated after this game either, could they, Tom? No, they couldn't. And to be honest, I think both teams maybe would have taken a, a point before the game. Um, Harrogate have lost the last five at home. I mean, it is a, a lovely part of the world and it's been a great stadium for uh, for teams to visit this season. Um, yeah, it was a fairly even game, actually. Um, but, you know, me with my Bradford City head on cannot 
stop thinking about how ridiculous it is that Jake Young's just got his 13th goal of the season. Um, it's a lovely finish as well. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to see it, but got the ball at the edge of the box. Nice little dribble, shifted it onto his right foot and yeah, hit it in the top corner. He actually had two chances before that as well. But um, Jack Muldoon equalised for Harrogate. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a strange goal, Jack Muldoon. I cannot work out if it had a deflection or not, but it was a, a neat finish again from the edge of the box off the inside of the post. So I think both teams will be fairly happy, happy with a point, to be honest. So, yeah, again, it's um, yeah, fairly even game. And it, it was just, yeah. Yeah, I, do you know what? I kind of get what you mean by saying that. It was just a bit... Yeah, yesterday. There wasn't nothing really, neither, neither one side stood out and shone more than the other. Um, and look, on that note, uh, Brandon, I've got to ask you this question. Uh, I've seen, obviously, beforehand, a few, beforehand, sorry, uh, the season, you know, a lot of Harrogate fans were maybe starting to think potentially playoffs is there, but do you think that dream is starting to fade for Harrogate Town? Well, I think you describing it as a dream would be perfect in any scenario with how Harrogate in this league that in perspective they're one of the smallest clubs in the division such a low budget and I think most Harrogate fans will be happy with 14 for this stage of the season they've been so reliant on Luke Armstrong over the years and a lot of adversity off the pitch he's probably been affected mentally by the collapse move to Wrexham and it's showing in his performances, his goals have massively dropped off, but all credit to Simon Weaver, they've found a way around that. They're still performing, they're still getting results. They got a great win at MK Dons the other week. So I think to call playoffs a dream is perfect because in perspective, I think they would have been happy with 14th right now at the start of the season, and especially with the Luke Armstrong adversity yeah ab- absolutely uh he's um i mean he's uh obviously he was a top player for, for harrogate and obviously with the potentially him going off to rex and maybe i said i said this a few weeks ago maybe that's sort of got into his head because he's definitely not perform- been performing at the same level he has uh, at previous seasons um but tom uh, um i'm gonna move on to this one because online bradford striker Jake Young, look, he scored 13 goals uh, so far uh, this season, including that one yesterday. So do you think that potentially Swindon might want to try and make a move for him in January? Or do you think Bradford might try and recall him? Or or do you even potentially think that somebody further up the league may have thought, hmm, I might have a go and try and get him? Yeah, I, I think you're right at the at the, the last thing you said there, to be honest. Um, just to give you a bit of context, uh, Jake Young was forced out of the club by Mark Hughes. Our whole first team squad, uh, squad travelled to Spain in the pre-season. He had to stay at home and trade the kids. Uh, he turned down National League loans because he backed himself to to do well in our league. And he's actually made Mark Hughes and uh, Bradford City look a bit ridiculous. 13 goals is is silly, to be honest. And you probably could say the same for Dan Kemp. They've got them both on loan, both key players. Uh, but now Mark Hughes has left, you know, I do see us taking Jake Young back at the earliest opportunity, aka the 1st of January, as soon as that window opens. He's got 18 months left on his deal, so, you know, the ball is very much in our court. But to be honest, I doubt he'll be either Bradford or Swindon by the end of the transfer window. He's a fantastic player when he's confident and fit. You know, that goal yesterday was quality. He scored a few screamers for us as well um, last season before, you know, pretty much being binned. 
Um, he scored a few, another, you know, three or four really great goals again this season. Um, but yeah, I'd be very surprised if he's at Bradford or Swindon, to be honest, because why would you want to come back and play for a club that's that's struggling and, you know, binned you off in the summer and now, you know, w- w- want you back? I can imagine him going to, to League One, to be honest with you. No, you're right. He's a quality player. Obviously, I only thought, obviously, even with the new manager there, maybe he might think, oh, let's go back and, you know, potentially try and show the Bradford fans what I could do. But, you know, you know, he's he's been on absolutely on form this year. And, um, yeah, Bradford, uh, I think, are really missing out on him at the moment. But after that thrilling 1-1 draw yesterday, Harrogate currently in 11th and Swindon are in 14th. So moving on to our next game, this was Sutton United versus Tranmere. Now Sutton United will be a, were aiming, sorry, to move off the foot of the League Two table by trying to beat Nigel Atkins Tranmere Rovers yesterday. The Amber and the Super Whites headed into the game with just two points separating the sides, and I had the pleasure of watching this game, and it was finished. Sutton one, Tranmere one. And as I said, it's not often that you uh, go ahead and score two goals in a game. Uh, uh, and uh, the other team don't score any and you still go ahead and draw. Sutton United, I thought, played absolutely amazing yesterday. I I thought they didn't really look like a team near the bottom. They hit the post a couple of times, didn't they hit the bar? Um, It was just, uh, forgive me because I'm not going to pronounce his name right, Uh, Goodlif, Goodlife, uh, unfortunately scored an own goal in the 17th minute. Uh, Chamley got the ball down the right-hand wing, crossed the ball in, uh, and he was unfortunately diverted it into his own net. But as I said, uh, they didn't give up. They kept going. I know they've got a few injuries, Sutton United at the moment, but they kept fighting right through to the dying moments uh, when uh, John managed to get the ball into the back of the net. Guys, did you watch any of the highlights at all? Do, did you, you agree with me? Do you think that Sutton were sort of almost could feel a bit bad that they didn't pick up all three points yesterday? Yeah, I thought Sutton played very well yesterday. I thought Trump looked a far better side than Tranmere and I'll be coming on to this but I think they're so stop-start in terms of performances this season under Matt Gray like they just never seem to replicate one good performance and it's just like is something's not giving but I, I can't really tell what it is for them at the moment they're up the table doesn't lie but yeah I, I mean, when you, when you look at their their possession, Tranmere yesterday. I mean, I, it was very very tight. It was fifty one to forty nine percent possession. Um, you know, I think they had um, ten shots on goal, uh, but only three on target. Um, I know Sutton United. I think was uh, I think I put the stat there. It was thirteen uh, with two on target. But it just when Sutton went forward, they actually looked like they were potentially going to create something. And when Tranmere went forward, unfortunately, it didn't look like they were. But um, uh, obviously, uh, Tom, I don't know what you thought. Did you watch the game? Did you? What did you think again yourself? Do you think it was potentially Sutton were slightly uh, aggrieved to not get all three points? Yeah, definitely. I think I watched the extended highlights on this, and you know both teams hit the hit the woodwork. But yeah, I think a team like Tramir who have lost eight away games on the bounce, I think you'll be disappointed not to uh, not to have beaten them. But yeah, I think we probably need to say well done to Tramir. I mean, the first point away from home. Um, they'd have taken that at the start of the game. But yeah, I think Sutton will feel a little bit hard done by. No, no, I, yeah, again, I totally agree. I, I just think that they looked such a good team yesterday. But Brandon, I've got to throw this over to you. And only, you know, they unfortunately are at the foot of the table. But is there any way Sutton will avoid relegation? Because 
they're finding it hard to move off the foot of the table at the moment, aren't they? I look at that Sutton side, and I think there's such good EFL pedigree in there with Harry Smith, um, who's the midfielder, Craig Clay, Beautyman, Ryan Jackson, and some performance that have always been quite reliable for them as they've overachieved over the last three years. But something's not giving for them, as I said earlier on, whether that be an individual mistake that I think there's a lot of in that side you saw with Goodliff's own goal yesterday. So something's not giving, but I said the other week I didn't think they'd be involved and I feel like I've kind of been waiting for Sutton to just sort of pick up. I'm certainly not now with Grimsby's position, but I might eat my words when they rock up to Blundell Park next week. But yeah, I'm not sure I'm seeing Sutton really turn out consistent wins like as well as they're performing I can't see them ever really getting into a routine of winning at the same time yeah I feel like they rely on on match winners don't they rather than have a good solid system um you know they've got Omari Patrick who scored in the playoff final last season uh, for Kyle Ireland who was a player at Bradford who had ability but didn't show it all the time and I feel like that's probably typical for a lot of Sutton's players yeah, look, I mean, I, I, Sutton took a, obviously, they've taken a few ex-Jules players of ours and uh, Aidan O'Brien, for instance, uh, playing for them. He's still a quality player. He can still do a trick in league two, but again, maybe he's not playing in a team that, that suits him. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it, it, it's just pretty unfortunate. Obviously, they are down there, but hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, they, they can potentially pull themselves away. It would be good to, I think, to keep have a team like uh, Sutton still in this league. Uh, but... I'm going to move on to my next question, uh, Tom. This one is actually going to come over to you. Uh, you've got the, the got the, the got the pressure of the last question, so let's make it a good one. And Tranmere fans, turn your volume down because you're not going to want to listen. But could Tranmere's away form keep them in a relegation battle? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I touched upon it. It's one point from eight games. It's just not good enough at all. Um, and then you're relying on your home games, and it almost becomes a mini league of 23 games to stay up um, and the home form's not been brilliant either so yeah I, I do worry for Tramier. I think there's a there's a host of clubs Bradford Newport included that that could be there or thereabouts and obviously Sutton as well and Forest Greens have got playoff aspirations according to their managers so I think <laughs> I think they'll be they'll be all right but yeah I think um, yeah the away form will be a definite worry for them it could be, and it could be the thing that potentially drags them into a League Two relegation battle. Guys, we have come to the end of the show. Uh, Brandon, Tom, thank you so much for coming on this week and having a chat with us. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Guys, this has been the Real EFL's League Two Look Back. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, 
let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNuggets share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then later on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.